everybody, Chad here, and uh, today in this episode, we have a very special guest. Uh, Jesse Carter is a private practice owner uh, just north of Nashville, uh, Tennessee. She just celebrated her 14th uh, anniversary of uh, private practice, or her private practice birthday, for lack of a better term. Um, I, they have an integrated practice, uh, so we're going to do a deep dive here with uh, Jesse Carter and High Point Physical Therapy. Anything you want to fill in? Uh, the intro there, Jesse. Oh, you covered it all. Uh, you're uh, married and you have yes. three kids. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> so um, let, let's go back to the beginning. So it sounds like you opened up in uh, right around 2007. Uh, December 2006. Okay, great. Yep. Um, so what made you want to become a private practice owner at that time? Uh, <laughs> anger. <laughs> I worked for a pops at the time here locally and a couple, I would say there's one physician in the group that just seemed to exert a lot of control over the direction that the PTs went. And I was a pelvic health therapist and really wanted to start a pelvic health program, but I was located in an orthopedic clinic. And it really just came down to some comments about money, um, how if you start that, will the OB-GYN and our multi-specialty group you know, want a piece of that pie? And I just didn't want somebody to have that much control over my career. And it, it really just made me mad. So <laughs> that was kind of the, the straw that broke the camel's back other than, you know, I learned a ton in that setting. I loved having instant access to the physicians. I was young. Um, I had just had my third baby, but it was the worst timing ever, but it was more out of, I didn't want to be pushed in that direction. I wanted to pursue my pelvic health route. So. Sounds like you were looking for autonomy and somebody poked you one too many times. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Got it. Uh, <laughs> Pretty, pretty classic private practice origin story, right? Yep. Most of us uh, similar. Uh, cool. So you decided to open up. Um, how long was it into the journey when you realized, hey, being a pelvic health specialist or being a good PT, being good in the clinic doesn't necessarily mean that I'm an amazing business owner as well. I was hesitant to leave the, the setting that I was in. So I didn't go into private practice immediately. I became a clinic director for a private practice in a town that was a little over an hour away and they were going to open up the satellite clinic. We'd never worked together before. I had never, you know, practiced by myself ever. And, uh, I was very open with them. And the goal was that I would become the third owner in that practice. And I just found out very quickly the the level of micromanagement was heavy. And I just, I think I needed that intermediate step to say, hey, I can do this on my own. And so that lasted all of six months. And that's when I said, okay, I either want to take this over or if that's not an option, if I can't purchase this and take this over, I'm going to set up shop right next door. And we had kind of put, you know, steps in place for that to happen if they chose the latter. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I learned very quickly though, I would work myself to death and I really didn't, I didn't have a clue what I was doing and my early stats show that. <laughs> what, what were they like? If you recall. Uh, I actually pulled up everything I could. This is bad though. Cause 
prepare yourself. I don't have stats for 2012 because that's when we almost lost the whole thing. So everything prior to 2012, so 2006 to 2012, you know, I kind of hovered at this 4,000 visits and then I'd get to 5,000 and then I'd go back down. It was just this constant up and down at around that 5,000 visits a year uh, level um, until I realized this was more of a hobby than it was a business. And that's when I set out to get the skills to actually do this differently. Cool. So right around 80 to hundred visits a week, just mm-hmm. quick point of reference, very quick math. Um, and this is you plus uh, another clinician. Is this you with a tech? Yep. For or- the first, well, we were in a thousand and fifty square feet. So it's two rooms, a gym space and a front office person and me. So we did that for six months and then uh, brought on a PTA Then we moved to 2,200 square feet, uh, March of 2007, so about three months later, then expanded to 3,300 square feet later that year. So in the first year, we went from 1,050 square feet up to about three times that size. And I can't even give you FTE numbers at that point, because remember, I was taking no stats. I had no idea what a KPI was, what I (laughs) I didn't keep track of anything. If there was money in the bank, I was good. And it's the business survived in spite of me, not, not because of me. So pretty classic. So <laughs> for those of you that are watching or listening right now, I'm sure uh, you, you can relate. Uh, we, we've all been there. I didn't realize how similar our beginning origin stories were <laughs> um, too, because I did the POPs practice and then work for another uh, private practice. I think I made it nine months. Uh, but, um, yeah, pretty, pretty similar. Uh, cool. So, um, what, what happened, you mentioned 2012, what happened in 2012? So 2012, I feel like we really veered out of the therapy lane way too far. Um, incredibly hard lesson, but we were moving from our previous location to the clinic that we're in currently. And we had employed some personal trainers. And at that point, all I did was shake hands with somebody or, you know, I trust you, you trust me type of situation. Well, we signed on this building and they broke ground. And about three weeks later, personal trainer who was going to work the downstairs, you know, 24 seven type gym area that we thought would be so great quit and took all his clientele with them. So that did not work out well. And we were desperate and we ended up starting a CrossFit gym. So if you're familiar with CrossFit at all, there's a nice little workout called Fran. And the lesson I learned from the previous situation with the personal trainer was that I wasn't going to be in a situation where somebody could just walk away with the clientele or that side of the business again. So I decided I was going to own the affiliate. I had done a CrossFit workout in my life. So I went to a CrossFit certification. That's all you had to do to hold the affiliate. So my first CrossFit workout was Fran at a level one cert, mortifying, horrible. And I was incredibly out of shape and I passed. So that's what we put in the downstairs area of our current location. And, you know, I think just the move focusing on that side of it, not the PT side of it. I got so distracted and 
from 2012 to 2014, just, it was, it was not a good business decision at all for us. Um, I learned a lot <laughs> in retrospect, it was the hardest time I've ever had in our marriage and our business, but that's when it was, you know, either put up or shut up and we've got to make this a business and not a hobby. Um, so yeah, 2012, when we moved from one location to the other, started the CrossFit affiliate, uh, we posted our first loss ever in the year. And I didn't really know it was a loss at the time. In retrospect, you know, I was still paying my bills barely, but now that I've looked at stats retrospectively, I mean, we really, we really could have lost it then. Mm -hmm. So, so seems like uh, one of the lessons that you got from that experience was uh, keep the main thing, the main thing. Correct. Great. Uh, were there, and you said there were, you know, a, a lot to learn from uh, in retrospect and you have some distance now where it was yeah. seven to nine years ago. What, um, <laughs> any other lessons that bubble up to the top for you, bubble up to the front? Um, I think what you just said, we, I knew we could do therapy well and I guess I just assumed because we did therapy well, we could do other things well, but it seemed like the further I got out of that PT lane, um, the less uncomfortable or the less comfortable I was. Um, and when I really turned that focus back to what we were doing on the therapy side of things, that's when we experienced growth and success. Cool. Um, so the other question, I, I know the Murph, I know what that workout is. <laughs> yeah. What is the, the Fran? Oh gosh, could I even tell you right now? Um, it has thrusters and pull-ups in it. So I think it's 15, what is it? Fifth, somebody, this is how far out and separated I have made myself <laughs> from CrossFit. Uh, is it 15, 12, nine? I don't know, thrusters and pull-ups. It's horrible. Okay. So yeah, if it has a thruster in it, I avoid it at all costs. <laughs> and that was for time. Oh yeah, for time, for sure. Great. Yeah, and it's like- a, the good Fran times, I think somebody's sub two. So it's wow. insane. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, and you weren't sub two. Oh gosh. No. And so, it was heavily modified. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. All right. So, um, what, uh, what's your practice look like today? What you're in the, that new space. Yep. Um, and you've been there for a while. What, what, uh, yeah. What, what's your practice look like? Do you do the pelvic health yourself now? Um, yeah. Okay. So I pulled numbers, which this is fascinating. So that first full year we moved into this building. So this building has 7,000 square feet in it. So we maintained the, the therapy side of things upstairs and 3,500 square feet, which just was a very modest increase from where we were at previously. But the downstairs was that 3,500, you know, open hanger of a space. So the first full year we were in this building, we saw 4,125 patients. So, but coming off of a horrible year, correct? So in 2020, we saw 20,873 patients in the same space. So talk about not maximizing your space. I think that was the definition of it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're, you're five times as busy in the same space. So is, is oh. that near maximum utilization for you? No, I still feel like we have we still can maximize the space here. Um, part of that is our practice model. You know, we're still, we're still a one-on-one -on -one clinic and that's presented its own challenges, of course, but no, there's still, 
areas to maximize uh, hours and space available in this clinic currently. Okay. One-to-one, one one-hour appointments? Uh, depends on the patient, depends on the payer. So one hour for eval, 45 minutes for most follow-ups is a consistent, consistent way to do it. We do do some 30 minute follow-ups and then an occasional 60 minute follow-up. Okay, cool. And then how many, uh, licenses do you have right now? Cause I think you're beyond just PT, right? You have OT as well. Correct. So when we opened our pediatric clinic, which we can talk about that, cause that's what replaced the CrossFit gym. And when we, acquired this building, um, you know, we still lease this building, but when we moved into this building, that really was the long-term vision for the building was to have adult clinic upstairs, pediatric clinic downstairs. So even though we filled it with CrossFit and we thought that's what was the best fit at the time, um, it was always the goal to have peds downstairs. So. Got it. Um, the, the 20,873, I think was the number, um, is that adult only, or is that adult and peds together? That's adult and peds. Okay. Got you. Yep. All right. And then, um, I assume you have some specialty programs in there, let's, uh, let's talk about peds for a second. What are your specialty peds programs? What do you focus on? Well, we do have PT, OT and speech, um, we have a board certified pediatric therapist um, who, this is a funny story. She worked for me, you know, from 2009 to 2011 in our old space. And uh, she's phenomenal, phenomenal clinician. And uh, we, you know, live near Nashville. So Vanderbilt Children's Hospital is, you know, very well known. And she used to work there. So she ended up leaving us, going and taking a management position there in 2011. Um, and actually lives a block away from this new space. So she would walk her dog back and forth, taunting us, you know? So (laughs) (laughs) that's what we always joke. But when we built the peds clinic, we knew if we did pediatrics again, it would, it, we wanted it to her to be a part of that. And, um, so we had the peds clinic in our basement, you know, for four or five years before we pulled it back out and then started peds again. So, um, with her coming back on, you know, she now is our clinical director in the peds space. Then we added OT after peds got or peds PT got reestablished. And then we added speech late 2015. Okay. So, and we're getting ready, you know, peds has so many areas you can expand into. So we're getting ready to launch a dyslexia program. Um, we've got some vision, uh, therapy going on. We've got an OT that works very part-time that just launched that. Uh, yeah, there's still so many areas we want to go to with that, that space. Nice. Yeah. With, uh, your adult, uh, programs, is that primarily physical therapy? Do you have OT there or is it just PT? Just PT upstairs. Uh, so I was a pelvic health therapist. I went into only pelvic health, I think around, Oh goodness, probably 2015, 2016. And then, um, 2018 really started to scale back patient care for me. And then there's some things that launched me into taking a lot of time off of patient care. So 2019, I took a nine month sabbatical from patient care and that's when the business grew more. And of course my husband had his told you so moment, you should have done this years ago. And 2020, I really stepped out. So we found a pelvic health therapist that's really taken over 
my caseload. And I think I, you know, all I've been doing this last year and this year is I mentor on, you know, complex cases. And uh, I see men here and there because I've tried to expand that practice a little bit. It's of interest to me. So. Cool. Yeah. Uh, Let's uh, go back to, I think you said 2015, 2016, you started to scale down. Uh, 26, uh, 2015, 16, I went to straight pelvic health. Like I didn't see any ortho at that point. Cause up to that point, you know, I knew where the shoulder was located. Um, not so much anymore. So <laughs> I'm Got joking. It. It's not that bad. I'm doing the shoulder workshops, believe it or not, which has been hilarious. So my staff thinks that's funny, um, that I'm doing the shoulder workshops. So you, you'll be fine. Yeah, no, I've enjoyed it. It's been fun to, to reconnect with my inner orthotherapist. So. <laughs> So before you started to, um, go to, uh, solely pelvic health and any idea of, of how many hours a week you were treating in the clinic? Oh, at least 40. Yeah. Okay. And then, you know, fitting patients in here and there burning the candle at both ends. The, the story everybody has, I'm sure. Yeah. Fit in the eval over lunch, fit in yes. the stay an extra hour yeah. at the end of the day. Yep. yep. Saturday. Um, fine. <laughs> So, so when you went to pelvic health only, um, was that still 40 hours or did you decrease your hours? there? I decreased my hours. I would do like three full days in the clinic. And again, you know, trying to fit patients in here or there, but I don't think I ever got to where I was seeing, you know, when I made the switch to pelvic health, I was still seeing a good 25 to 30 hours of patient care per week. Cool. So now in many owners, um, want to make that leap right? From working in their business all the time to working on the business. How, were there any lessons learned? Can you think back to any struggles you had? Because what, what I commonly hear is, okay, I'm, uh, you know, treating 50 hours a week. Yep. All of a sudden now I have uh, 20 hours in my schedule because I'm down to 30 hours a week and I don't know what to do with that time. So now I catch up on old discharge charts or discharge notes, or I, uh, you know, I'm putting out fires all the time, but I don't feel like I'm in control of that time. Did you, did you notice that as well? Or did you just nail the time management right out of the gate? Oh, I'm still working on time management. I have not nailed that yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I think, I think what I, the feedback I got from my team was that I became, I became more of a leader when I stepped out of patient care and they noticed a difference number one in my anxiety level. Uh, and it was more that there was somebody leading the ship as opposed to just being on the ship with them, maybe towards the front. I don't know. It was just, I got the feedback. If you were to talk to some of our team members were the, the business owner that I was in, especially those early years. Cause I, you know, I have a therapist who's been with me for 13 and a half years. So is very different than who I am currently. I'm a much nicer person now. So <laughs> it, is it fair? It's, it seems like your team is telling you you have better distance now. Um, Without question. Probably a better vision. You can see, you know, where, where your organization is going. Absolutely. And uh, yeah. And I, I think it was vital for me to test the waters. So we, um, and we can hit on this later, you know, we looked to sell the clinic after a very, um, 
you know, I was looking at our patient visits and between 2016 to 17, we had a 71% increase in patient or in visits and managing that type of growth while still treating full-time is in retrospect, why I felt the way that I felt. I was so overwhelmed. Like it would seem like all the wheels were falling off of the vehicle at the same time. And I couldn't, could not get a grasp on it. So, you know, what felt like being out of control and not knowing how to even steer the ship, there was a reason I felt that way. And, you know, doing, I did what I called a nine month sabbatical in 2019, where we didn't have anybody to take my pelvic caseload. And I mean, we told my referral sources, she'll be back in September. And if your patient wants to see Jesse, then we'll put you on a wait list, but here's four other therapists that can see your patients, you know, in Nashville or wherever. And that was super hard to do. And cause you know, the PT in me wants to help everybody. And I had to say, okay, I've got to come first in this situation. And I, at that time, I took a ton of time away from the clinic too. And, you know, I traveled with my kids drum corps. I caught up for lost time. I organized my house, you know, things that I hadn't done while still working on the business a lot. And I think I needed to see that it didn't burn down and they can survive fine without me. And, you know, things had to be in place to be able to do that. I'm not saying that I stepped away completely, but it was like, okay, I think I might enjoy this if I did this more often. Um, and then when I came back to patient care, September, 2019, it was like, oh yeah, I think I'm, I'm think I'm good. I'll stay in this management side of things. It was just enough to say, I think I'd made the right choice. Nice. Yeah. You, you grew 60 to 70%. You said in visits in one year kind of broke your infrastructure a little bit. Yep. Um, what, what caused that spike in growth? Uh, expansion of the pediatric services and again, maximizing our space, really diving in and starting to see we had potential for growth with, uh, with what we had in place. Okay. Yep. Um, got it. The, during the sabbatical, you, you talked about working on your business. What, what, I think I have an idea of what you mean by that, but just for everybody listening, what, what does that look like? How do you work on your business? For me, it started with, uh, it started with my marriage, which this is, this sounds crazy, but my husband is a band director. So he's a middle school band director, but I think a lot of practice owners will say, there's no way that my business would be successful without my significant other without question. You know, my husband was a stay-at-home dad when we started the clinic, you know, we had three, a five, four and two year old when we started out and he still did things in the clinic. And those were the sources of all the stress in our marriage, every one of them. So he still did payroll and he still did it. So like he would handle computer problems and rusty come fix this or do this. Um, but anytime there was a payroll issue and I would voice it to him, he would take it as me saying, you're doing something wrong. And it was me just saying, hey, so-and-so's paycheck's wrong. Can you fix this next time? So I started with that. I started to identify the things that were causing strife with us and taking them away from him. So, <laughs> so we outsourced IT. 
was wonderful, you know? And then I took over payroll, learned payroll, really dove into the book side of things, which was great for me from an education standpoint. Um, and that solved everything else. We have been so much happier since I took those things off his plate. Um, and we're just much nicer to each other. So that's where I started. And then, then it was the same thing, you know, looking at a system, looking at a process, where are the pain points, how can we fix those things and so on. Cool. Uh, with, and you said rusty, mm-hmm. uh, um, is, is he involved in the clinic at all right now? None. Yeah. He just comes in and lasers himself. Um, that's about it. (laughs) And he loves it. You know, our joke, well, I'm trying to think like he still fixes stuff every once in a while, but it's really on his own terms. Um, you know, he'll bring me Starbucks and, uh, be a part of our Christmas parties and stuff. And it's, it's much more fun. We enjoy that aspect of it as opposed to us doing business together. Um, it just, it didn't need to be that way anymore. So Sounds pretty smart to me. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I've been through that as well uh, with Stephanie as my wife and very involved uh, in the beginning. And we just eliminated that, I think, 2009. Just, yeah. Yep. Uh, well, it was out of necessity in the out. beginning. You know? Yeah. And it's so much easier. It, it, it's easier to disconnect. To, I find it easier to disconnect when I go home yep. now. And uh, yeah, so pretty smart. Um, I, I want to talk a little bit about the last 12 months, um, in in terms of a pretty challenging time, not completely emerged yet. Um, for, for many owners, um, a year, if you go back a year ago, what was the thing that you were most focused on within your, uh, within your business pre pandemic? Well, January, 2020, we had all those bill or the, the coding changes, you know, and then, you know, you hit June, you're like, oh my gosh, what I wouldn't give just to be worried about those coding changes (laughs) right now. But, you know, that was the big issue January of last year. That's all we were really focused on. But of course, January last year, I attended the summit. I don't know if it was in Florida or Dallas or one of the two. Dallas. Yeah. Yeah. So it was more ongoing direct to consumer and looking for other avenues for referrals. I feel like a lot of my job is, you know, looking at our payer mix, how can we change that? Looking at our referral sources, how to diversify that. Uh, that's been a part, part of what I've really focused on the last couple of years. And, you know, working with Breakthrough and starting the workshops was gonna be our next step um, until COVID hit. <laughs> Fair. I, w- do you- can you think back to what was the vision for your practice? Then I heard uh, diversification, yep. probably something around uh, like financial, better financial controls in there. Um, can you think about what the vision was like 12 months ago and then how it's changed over the last 12 months? So I really was, I remember sitting down with Jackie and trying to set out those goals. And it was more about not relying so heavily on physician referral sources Um going direct to consumer, and then ultimately those steps changing our payer mix a little bit more. Um, So that was really where I was focused January, 2020. Pandemic, it just came down to survival. You know, I don't think any of us really knew what was going to happen in April, May. And retrospectively, I feel that we just had to table the whole, let's change our payer mix (laughs) thing. But I feel like we've gotten back to that and that's where we're resuming now. Um, 
I, I do feel like I'm investing more in my team and going at maximizing our schedule differently than I did in January, 2020. I just felt like bringing in a different type of patient, a patient who's raised their hand and said, Hey, I'm in pain was the way to solve some of the complaints I had about the type of patients we saw. But I think as we've gotten some of those patients in, it's shown me that that's not it. It's not the patients we're getting. It's how my therapists view their schedule. And I want to give them more management over how they construct their day. So we, we've kind of switched gears more to um, ownership of schedule, productivity-based compensation models. Uh, that's really been my focus the last two to three months. Because uh, if therapists don't change that mindset from that one-on-one, I can't overlap at all, I don't see reimbursement going up. So we have to get it coming from them. And I want to reward them for that. So I'm trying to kind of start at it a little bit different. I still see the, the importance of what, we, what we're doing with Breakthrough, but I want to get change in a different way with the therapists we have currently. So it sounds like the, you, you want some ownership mentality there. Absolutely. For your clinicians. Yep. yep. Great. Um, so you, you covered a lot of ground there. Um, the first thing was physician referrals. Just as an idea, a year ago, what percentage of your new patients coming through were physician referrals? Oh, goodness. Ballpark. Don't have it. Oh, Maybe. it's like, oh, as far as like direct access uh, versus. Yeah. Just w- what percentage of patients coming through were referred by a physician to your practice? Oh, easily 98%. Okay. So large. Oh yeah. 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 And then uh, within that you're diversified, I'm guessing. You, you have uh, a lot of different physicians. Referring. Oh, tons. Yeah. Like probably 300 plus. And that was very strategic, you know, back in the day. Yeah, so you're, you're super wide and you're great at physician referrals. Yes. Yes. Normally don't go here, but w- how do you market to, uh, physicians pre pandemic? And then how's that changed right now? We don't, we do not do anything with physicians, nothing. Do you, you never pick up the phone and call about treatment plan or anything like that? Unless it's warranted. I know this sounds horrible. Um, <laughs> It sounds great. So it oh sounds like you're probably perceived as a peer by physicians in your area. A couple of times, like, of course, when we were first starting out, we took cookies, we did the luncheons, we did all the things. I haven't done a luncheon in five years, maybe. Um, they changed how we approach physicians. And the first time that I had to stand in a hallway and felt like a drug rep and was kind of given a drug rep badge to put on. I, I left and I just, I'm like, I'm not, I felt like I was pimping myself and that sounds awful, but I was like, this is not it. Oh yeah. I, I get it. Ah. Yep. <laughs> we, we no longer do it as well. And I, <sighs> I, I remember one of the last times that I was in a, a physician's office uh, doing marketing is uh all the staff was coming through and saying, where do we need to sign? Yeah. She and I, I said, this, we're not doing that. No. This, is, this is, yeah. So uh, completely I, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. Um, so physician referral, you're talking about diversifying and some of the obvious things is it's impossible to get a 
change our payer mix with physician referrals, right? You can't go to a doctor and say, hey, only send me yep. this private insurer, workers comp or whatever it is. Yep. Um, so got that diversifying the payer mix. You talked about survival. And I know uh, we, we did a fin- some financial modeling um, with uh, Bob Kowalik back in April and May. And we thought yep. we would be about 40 to 50% of normal volume by the end of uh, 2020. So w- th- this is all just a free roll for us where mm-hmm. we're way beyond where we thought we would be. Um, th- did you do anything like that? Did you go um, in, in terms of uh, like estimating? Th- you talked about survival. How did you look at that and how did you make it through? If I was on every call that you did with Bob, I think. So okay. I, I, it was, that seemed like my lifeline through the entire thing. So, you know, when we were introduced to breakthrough in January, I remember going home and those were long days. Those were like the days I remember starting the clinic, you know, you're here from sunup to sundown, you're present, you're available to ask questions to nonstop. It was, it's, it was draining, but it was invigorating at the same time, just because it's like, I feel like COVID showed me that I am in the right field. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing right now with my life, with this clinic, because I felt incredibly needed and very effective. And I was on every call. I did all those models with Bob. I went through the multiple times, I think, because sometimes I didn't fill them out correctly. So um, I think it was just super scary, but we had our best month ever in June after coming off of, you know, a four to five week closure of our pediatric clinic. So we closed down the peds clinic altogether. And, you know, I laid off 14 team members, which was devastating, horribly devastating, only to get PPP the next week to restore everybody. (laughs) So, (laughs) So going through all of that and the models with Bob were so helpful because we, we were in that group that would have made it through without PPP, not that anybody knew that going into it, but it gave me confirmation that we had made a lot of good choices, especially in the last couple of years. If COVID would have hit us anywhere up to, I think, 2016, we would not have survived it. Cool. So you're so, pretty, you're, you're built to last now pretty recently. I think so. Yeah. yeah. Great. So you brought everybody back. Yep. Um, the, and you said highest ever in June, what happened yep. the, the second half of 2020? So we, with the diversification of peds and adults, okay. Peds is not as profitable as adults. I think anybody can tell you that it's harder to manage higher cancellation rates. You can't overlap all the things. So we've figured out what does make peds more profitable. Um, I didn't know that that was going to be one of our saviors through COVID. So here we closed down and we were still seeing a trickle, you know, in our adult clinic, but you had all this pinned up demand from pediatrics because (laughs) they all thought we were just going to go home for, you know, two to three weeks and everybody could go back out again. So you had all these moms with pediatric patients just needing to get out of the house. So everybody showed up for their appointments in June, July, (laughs) because they had nowhere else to go. So peds is what really was just, you know, 
rocking and rolling in the summer because nobody had anything else to do. So the, the diversification and pizza is about 55% of what we do currently. We're about 45% adults from a visit standpoint and 55% pediatrics. So the, when adults was super low, peds was very high. And then we started to see, you know, we had tons of quarantines. We had multiple therapists with COVID, uh, our, the only metric that was down for 2020 compared to 2019 was our new patients. So we saw fewer new patients in 2020 than in 2019, which that is a little disturbing to me, but, um, we had so many therapists out, uh, towards the fall. And I think everybody kind of experienced that, that we thought we were through it, but then you'd have a whole month of a schedule. We had one quarantine only to get it right at the end. So out a full, full month. So, <laughs> yeah, we, and we've had, uh, we've had, and we've heard a lot of stories of multiple exposures where somebody gets the second negative test only to come back in and now they're exposed again and they yep. have to go back out. And yeah, it's, uh, definitely a lot to work through. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to dive into what your day-to-day looks like right now. Um, are you at the office now? Or are you home? Uh, I'm at my office. Okay. Do you work yeah. in your office every day? Uh, no, <laughs> I did okay. not come in yesterday. Okay. So, so what, the, in a normal weekly schedule, how often are you uh, going into the business right now? Uh, typically, I uh, make myself present. Tuesday through Friday. I try not to come into the clinic on Mondays. Um, I may probably end up shifting that Monday through Thursday. I have been doing laser consults on Tuesdays and Thursdays, which I've just had fun doing because we just launched that about two and a half weeks ago. So I like, I love talking to people and I surprisingly like to sell things, especially if they're things I'm selling. So, (laughs) (laughs) so that's been fun. Um, you know, I'm here and I do mentoring with my pelvic health therapist. Uh, we just did all, uh, we just started the manual therapy courses this past weekend with Dan and I'm going to be working on compensation models this afternoon. You know, I've got my to-do list, but it's all very management focused now, not patient focused. Okay. So multiple, do you have, uh, how are you structured? Do you have a management team? Um, yeah. What's that look like? So I have a adult clinic director and a pediatric clinic director, and we meet every other week for an hour and we do what we call, we just call a leadership meeting. And, you know, that's when we're talking through like this, this compensation model that we're switching to um, any type of management issues that we're dealing with in the clinic, uh, things we need to address feedback from our staff, they're doing, you know, regular clinic director meetings with our team regarding documentation, productivity, all of that. Um, and we talk numbers during that meeting. Um, administratively, I have four admin staff and a biller. So we have an in-house biller, and then we have two patient care coordinators at each desk, um, front office or uh, adult and pediatric. And we're in the process of working up our administrative hierarchy a little bit more. So it's, it needs more than it has currently. Got it. Yep. Um, and thanks for that. That helps me understand or visualize what your, uh, what your business looks like now. What's, uh, so it sounds like visit wise, you're beyond where you were a year ago. Correct. 
Um, and then what, what are the three challenges or three trends that you're looking at right now and you're looking to conquer here in uh, 2021? Trends, goodness. <laughs> um, I think specific to PT, the PT industry or our area? Uh, your practice, high point physical therapy. Um, we live in a military town and that is one of the challenges that I really, um, I face on a daily basis. So, you know, when I talked about, you know, trying to sell the clinic, um, which is not a miss that's, that's not, you know, a secret to anybody that works here. I really had to evaluate my exit strategy and how am I going to step out of this at some point? And, you know, I have passion projects and things I would love to do that aren't necessarily PT related. And it's really hard when you have an amazing clinician that works here for eight years, and then the army decides to move them across the country. And it's, it's something that we've just always had to balance. And we have way more turnover that's not our fault, then it's just hard to manage. So when I've thought about exit strategy and how I'm going to build my management team and how I am going to step out of this at some point, that's always in the back of my mind, you know? Um, So telehealth and all the things that came with COVID has opened my eyes up to maybe some alternative ways to consider expansion. Um, So that's one thing that I'm really looking at is, do I bring on other owners? Do I just focus on profit sharing? You know, what is my exit strategy? I'm always kind of working on that in the background. Um, We are looking at the potential of expansion. So there's a lot right across the street that is, um, it's been empty for a decade. And, you know, there's the possibility that we may want to separate the clinics into pediatrics and adults and then expand adults in our current location. So we've been exploring some options with how and what expansion looks like to us. Um, it's, it may not be, you know, another location in another city for us. It may look very different and figuring all of that out. And I think third is just always reimbursement. <laughs> we have a very low, and I've sat in with a few um, just kind of consultations with Bob Kowalik, and our revenue per visit is stinky. And <laughs> I just need to get that better. And, you know, I, I take that on personally that as long as the therapists are doing everything they can, um, now it's my turn to figure out what else I can do on my end behind the scenes, whether it's from a contracting um, perspective, diversification of codes, are we leaving anything on the table, evaluating that and coming to my team with data. So that's where I'm at. Cool. So I heard in their practice value, the focus on that, some sort of transition plan around legacy and impact. Sure. Yep. Um, second one was expansion, maybe not another location, but uh, at least um, leaving in leaving a bigger impact in your immediate area, probably more square footage yep. um, and then reimbursement, which we're, we're all always focused on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, the, so 
one of the most difficult things um, that we hear owners struggle with is how to paint the picture for um, for the team. How do you how do you motivate your team? How uh, you, you talked earlier, Jesse, about um, the incentivization program, and you're working on that later today. How do you paint that picture beyond just a um, financial or profit sharing, uh, some sort of uh, monetary incentive? How do you do that for your team? Um, I wish we I wish we did more. <laughs> if you've got the answer to this, I would love it. I feel like we're going to launch the profit sharing with our clinical team first, but I know I can figure out how to do it with my admin team also. So, um, I know it's there and having gone through this process of figuring it out for clinical, I'm ready to attack that with admin. Once we get the clinical team up and running with the, the profit sharing, um, we play games and, do fun stuff. And, uh, we do lots of things with gift cards. So based on productivity numbers, we're going to do like a big gift card exchange. We do our holiday party in January typically, but COVID's kind of, um, done a dent on that. So we're doing it during our February staff meeting, but we, you know, do like a white elephant game for gift cards. And that's really it at this point. I want to do more. It's just figuring out the right incentive and the right reward. Okay. Um, any, in, in wrapping up and I mean, we covered a lot of ground here. You talked about your origin story and working for the pops practice and then another practice and then growing, not really knowing how to grow and build infrastructure and teams and systems. And then mm -hmm. the crash in 2012 and <laughs> taking your eye off the, the target a little bit, mm -hmm. which we all have to do at some point and then uh, reinventing yourself and the, nine months sabbatical and then gradually working yourself out of patient care and what you're focused on now. This was awesome. Uh, any final words uh, of encouragement, of advice, of wisdom uh, that you'd like to share with uh, private practice owners that are watching this or listening right now? I think the thing that has made the most difference for me, especially in these last couple of years that I have stepped out of patient care is just getting around other practice owners and hearing other people's stories, understanding we, I think you say it and I, I hate it every time you say it, but you're like, there's nothing special about you. <laughs> We're all going through the exact same thing. And I have really adopted, I really adopted that mantra because, you know, it used to be for me, well, we're in a military town. I'm never going to be able to, well, suck it up and figure it out. Cause somebody else has some other challenge that they're facing that you're not having to deal with, you know? So, um, it's easy for me to get in the, Oh, well, your revenue per visit so low. Well, do something about it that, you know, so I've, I've learned so much just by pushing myself. I'm not, you know, I'm an extrovert, extroverted introvert. I don't like being in crowds. I don't like being in groups and I would much rather just hang out by myself, but putting myself in those situations, jumping on any webinar I can learning from anybody else that I can has really motivated me and make your practice what you want it to be. I think that's what I've heard over and over from, you know, 
you other successful practice owners is if it's not what you're enjoying or you like, then change it. And that's, we're all in that unique position to be able to do that. And you just have to do it. Well said, Jesse. <laughs> this was great. Um, very much enjoyed uh, catching up with you. And uh, yeah, awesome job. Thanks cool. for doing this. Thanks. I enjoyed it.